0: Welcome in. This is the Lions 24-7 podcast. I'm Tyler Donahue. Alongside, as always, Sean Fitz, as we get into another episode. And and we've got um, an array of items to get to. It's May, so there's not a ton of fresh team content, but uh, some interesting stuff uh, going on in the recruiting world. It is heavy into camp season. Uh, Sean was down at the DC Regional on the opening circuit. So was Steve Wiltfong, Brian Doan. And Brian Doan will be a guest. He caught up with Sean on the phone uh, for a solid 15, 20 minute conversation that we'll have here later on in the podcast. Plenty to get to, but Sean, you are uh, back from the camp circuit. I've taken a couple trips in the past few weeks. It's always nice to get back out there. It's, It's also always nice to get back home. So welcome back home and
1: welcome back on the podcast. Well, thank you. And I'm a little disappointed because it's it's not only May, but it's content season, which means we are just manufacturing the hell out of whatever we're doing. And there's not much to talk about from a team aspect, but luckily, right here, if I'm gonna wiggle <laughs> my paper here to make it sound like I'm actually reading something on paper, but luckily, CBS Sports has us covered, and they did so by ranking every head coach in Power Five. Man, Woo. you gotta lo- you gotta love May. Anyway. Uh, no real surprises at the top. Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, 1-2. Uh, Chris Peterson rounding out the top three, which is interesting. But uh, James Franklin, number 11 overall, number one in the Big Ten. That, that, that one caught some, caught some eyes. So um, I, I'm not sure where I think he should be ranked. I, I'm reading our message board every day, which makes me think he should probably be ranked lower um, based on what people say. But uh, number one in the Big Ten really caught my eye. I'm I'm curious and and I didn't have this pulled up. Uh, if Harbaugh was ahead of Franklin
0: in last year's list and, and he was if he would have been number two or Franklin was number two, I'm guessing if the same person wrote it, Franklin will be number two since his last meeting with Michigan was a loss. Um, so I, I think that is really interesting. You know, Urban Meyer gone, and um, you know I think Chris Peterson. You're right. That that's one that stands out. I think everyone's going to start their list with Saban and and Sweeney, and you're starting to hear people kind of switch those names a little bit it's been saving on the top for so long people really starting to to take notice to what Clemson is doing and obviously the last two times those two teams played we saw what the Tigers did but um you know I think when you look uh, in terms of teams that are recruiting consistently, uh, putting themselves in, in, you know, the top 15, top 20 picture consistently, you know, Franklin's done that. Uh, and I, and, and he'll be the first to tell you, he wants to take the program further and, and get to that college football playoff and compete for big 10 championships. And last year was not a step in that, in that right direction, uh, in terms of, of the win loss column. But, uh, you know, Fitz, I don't know how much to take away from this because like everything else that gets listed, including the list I put together on our site, it's super objective. So,
1: I, you know, I don't necessarily know how to really get into it. Well, I mean, this was an, actually a survey done by a lot of people. So it's, uh, you know, it, it's more than just one opinion. I know some of those. That's a good start. I up. didn't even know yeah. that to start it out. So there we go. Well, <laughs> you did not read your CBS Sports. Did not. Uh, Yeah, that's the greatest media company in the world, by the way, CBS Sports. Oh, I don't. Um, I
0: was reading their other content. So I didn't get to that one yet. It's on
1: my CBS Sports list luckily by the power of the internet I found last year's James Franklin down a spot from last year he was actually number 10 and Jim Harbaugh actually up a couple spots as well as Mark D'Antonio um D'Antonio was 16 last year uh Harbaugh was 18 last year and now D'Antonio's 13 and Harbaugh's 15 so Had some changes. Uh, Seven top 25 coaches in the Big Ten. Of course, Franklin number one. D'Antonio at 13. Harbaugh at 15. Pat Fitzgerald, my buddy, at 16. Kirk Ferenz at 22. Paul Crist at 23. And then Scott Frost at 25. I thought that's probably the most interesting. He's done some really good things at Central Florida. And then, of course, started to come around a little bit at Nebraska. Right now, the roster, not what he needs it to be. But, you know, in in that wide open Big Ten West, I mean, the, the door's wide open for him.
0: Yeah, they got a national championship banner hanging in Orlando because of, of Coach Frost. And, and uh, you know, I'm definitely curious uh, if, if no Nebraska goes wins eight, nine games, just how much he would soar on this list seems like probably a likely candidate to leap. And, and I'll be the one to mention this dead last on the list out of the Big Ten. Chris, Chris <sighs> You're Ash, taking my your, joy your, from me, your Rutgers Scarlet Knights. I figured I would just be proactive and, and and just get that one out there before I gave you a shot to do it.
1: 65 of 65 is Chris Ash, just ahead of Mike Loxley, who is 62nd. I thought the most interesting one on here, and that's probably the first place I looked, was Ryan Day, and he was at 45. And obviously you don't know what to expect out of Ryan Day. You expect Ohio State to win a lot of games every year. He was at 45, just ahead of Pat Narduzzi at 46. But uh, that, that that's one of those things where Ohio State is you, – you have that expectation for Ohio State. You expect them to win a bunch of games, compete, or win the Big Ten title, you know, almost every year. And now all of a sudden there's been a big change. You don't know what's going to go on at quarterback. That could impact uh, how you view Ryan Day as a head coach. Um He's got a solid resume. He doesn't have a sparkling resume—not one that you would think for an Ohio State head coach. But we'll see what happens. They tried that with Luke Fickle; it didn't work. Um, but uh, we'll see where Ohio State is in nine or ten months from now and, and make a make a more uh, concrete discovery on what we think of, of of him and the Buckeyes.
0: And I think when you're talking about a head coach at the college level, it's important to remember that this just goes so far beyond you know watching game film and getting ready for your 12 regular season games and what might wait beyond that. It's the recruiting that is required of you on a daily basis and, and, you know, you could be on vacation with your family. I think Franklin has mentioned this in the past. And if you get a call that a five-star quarterback wants to be on your campus tomorrow, you got to find a way to get back there. You're, you're really going to have a hard time saying no in that situation. And that's just the way life is. And you've also got to, you know, impress the people who are going to help you financially with the program and make sure you, that you're rolling out the vision articulately um, and representing the program like a CEO of sorts. So uh, you also got to fill out your coaching staff and, and figure out who doesn't get scholarship offers. So, Interesting, you know. It's always when you have this conversation, you know, what head coaches are tasked with, what uh, what head coaches maybe lean on their coordinators a little bit more, and which head coaches maybe have issues trusting even members of their staff uh, for th- for things and the way they distribute responsibility. So, plenty to dive into, and and um, you know, James Franklin obviously is getting paid a- among the elites, and, and this ranking puts him there as well. Um, so, I, I think certainly. You know, as long as they move in the right direction, um, you know he's not going anywhere from lists like these. And, and I certainly think he has rooms to grow, but it's going to be, can he translate this tremendous stretch of recruiting that, that has not been done at Penn State like this in this era? Will that translate in the next two, three years of the program taking that next step? Because I think they have the personnel
1: uh, that can equip them to do it. Yeah, and the, the the opportunity is certainly there. The schedule is is what it is at this point, and you've got to start winning those games against Michigan State, and then you've got to take that next step and beat Ohio State and Michigan. So um, we're not going to beat that dead horse and, and bring up Franklin's record against those guys, but it needs to improve, and you know he will move up on these lists. Um, going back closer to home, not a ton to talk about with Penn State. Finals were last week. Graduation was over the weekend. Uh, the 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 spring, or excuse me, the first summer semester will start next week, and we're expecting Jaquan Brisker to finally be on campus. We've talked about him a lot on the uh, podcast. He's going to factor in right away at safety, and, that, and they're anxious to get him on campus. Hopefully getting a couple of high school kids. That's still up in the air last we checked. Uh, I think Caden Wallace and Devin Ford were the two that you said – could be on campus in may that depends on their high school and their graduation transcripts and all that kind of stuff so not much else uh on the team front we thought we'd have a commitment for you at this point in fact we were going to record this morning with our uh observations about Bengali Kamara the linebacker slash safety from Ohio he has pushed back his decision sounds like that was more on Penn State's end than on uh Kamara's he seemed ready to go the other day and you know that's one of those things that happens when you know the the it might be an academic thing at play it might be he wanted to take official visits so they've they've got a lot of uh, ironing to do out on on before they accept a commitment for him and right now it se- seems like they're not ready to do so still set to take an official visit in June so we'll, we'll see where things stand uh, from that aspect but yeah it was definitely a surprise to, to to read that text this morning
0: yeah and they've got you know multiple uh, targets at that school in Akron and, and you know it, it'll be interesting to monitor moving forward here because I as you was anticipating this conversation would be a bit different and we'd be leading off the podcast differently and kind of coordinated this session because of that but these things happen and the last thing you want to see is a, a program accept the commitment that it's not ready to accept and on the other side a recruit commitment when he's not ready because that just leads on the back end to, to some messy situations. So uh, we'll see where it goes. The three schools that he said stood out heading into this decision were Penn State, Purdue, Michigan. Uh, we'll see if new offers you know get in here late. Michigan State offered on Friday and he actually spoke to 24-7 Sports about that and essentially said, you know, I appreciate the offer from the Spartans, but it's too late. These are my three teams and I'm committing next week. So does this open the door for other options? I'd imagine it would. Um, and it's certainly kind of, you know, We'll see what happens with that defensive back seven because you've got a cornerback on board right now and Joshua Moten. That's your only defensive back. We know they've got a couple linebackers they're really excited about with Wingo and Jacobs. And this is a guy in Kamaro that seems like he could end up in, in either role down the line at six foot two, two hundred pounds, that's kind of versatile kid. Um, so we'll keep tabs on it as we always do, Sean. But um, the recruiting beat goes on. We saw a bunch of new offers. You know, that's been a theme here the, the recent weeks, spring evaluation, moving forward. And uh, we we mentioned last show, 2023 offer on the board now, and a 2020 quarterback on the board. Someone uh, some that stuck out to me earlier this week, Sean, on Monday three members of the initial top two four seven rankings for the 2021 class picking up Penn State offers so these are kids who are going to be high school juniors in the 2019 season Um, first of which Jonathan Flo uh, out of Upland California his brother uh, is a five-star linebacker prospect in the 2019 class Um, so pretty impressive duo there Penn State offered his brother early in the process um, he's not going to end up at Penn State, but so I thought that was worth noting. Um, wide receiver, Walker Merrill uh, out of Tennessee. This is a kid to, who tells me he wants to get up to campus um, sooner rather than later. I got a chance to chat with him. Probably have something up on lines 24-7, but he's a four-star wide receiver uh, out of the state of Tennessee. One of those kids who, who got his first offer. Um, you know I think three or four months ago and all of a sudden he has 10 and that's the way this thing goes a lot of these 2020 20, 21 uh, kids we're talking about that have 20 offers they may have had two three or none uh, you know last season entering the year and then the last one here uh two ways in Mason Mason Smith at uh, Terrebonne High School down in Louisiana. He's the highest rated member of those three in the top 247 defensive tackle, a ton of SEC interest, and now Penn State part of that mix. And we said this in the past, you know, Penn State's going to spray a lot of these scholarship offers and more of a foot-in-the-door thing to that, that see if they can circle back later in the process. You don't want to just let some of these recruitments evolve to the point where it just doesn't make sense to offer late in the game. So, again, it, with some of these guys who have 20 offers and, and it kind of feels like it's later, they are still too – high school seasons away from being able to sign. So, Sean, those were the ones I wanted to mention, along with Oklahoma commit Ryan Watts uh, committed to the Sooners, I think about 17, 18 days ago in late April. Um, He's a kid out of Texas who has almost 40 offers since just January, uh, 40 offers during that time span. And one thing that stuck out to me, he called – Penn State, a childhood dream school when he tweeted out the offer, and I've seen kids say that about multiple schools when they report offers. I went through all of his, and this is, I love it, he reported all of his offers, one by one by one, all 36 of them up on this thing. Didn't mention anything about a dream school beforehand, so... Peaks my interest a little bit. I think we always got to be careful in digging too deep into some of these offers, but he's a kid I've reached out to. I'd like to learn more about that aspect, but uh, he is an Oklahoma commit, and he is a 2020 prospect, so uh, later in the game than than the other kids I mentioned. I was expecting about
1: nine or ten dream schools. I think it was was a Marcel Brooks two years ago. Marcel Brooks had a few. He had a few dream schools, yeah. Yeah, Penn State was one of them, too, so... Uh, the one that caught my eye, Lewis Hanson, a, a tight end, 2021 tight end from Massachusetts. Obviously, anytime an, an offer goes out in the region, you, you kind of check that a little bit closer than some of these other ones. And Hanson's a good-looking kid. Tyler Bone was up to see him at St. At Sebastian's in Massachusetts a couple weeks ago. And they've had a little bit of luck with Massachusetts tight ends recently. So yeah. um, that's certainly one worth uh, worth tracking. And I opened up his profile to, to see what was going on with his recruitment. He just picked up another offer from Virginia Tech. So he's certainly trending up, and that's will be one to watch. I was watching a bunch this weekend, the uh, Washington, D.C. Regional uh, of the Nike Opening Camp Series, and I slaughtered that one, I apologize, Um, was in Northern Virginia on Sunday, got a chance to check it out, had Steve Wilfong down there, had Brian Doan with us as well. So um, that was a a really good camp. I'm going to get into some things with Doan here in a little bit, but first some Penn State-related news and notes. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd is a guy we've talked about a lot, running back from Damatha. he's been uh you know one of if not the top running back target since Jaywon Sider started recruiting the 2020 class and Penn State's running back recruiting as we've talked about a couple of times has been all over the map Chris Tyree not really an option anymore Jalen Berger you thought maybe but then he didn't visit this spring while visiting a bunch of other schools granted he was traveling with teammates and friends like that but he has not really set a visit for Penn State uh so Marshawn Lloyd talk to him a little bit very impressed with the kid for a kid that does not talk to the media or does not want to talk to the media, he's just not not caught up in the uh, recruiting hype. Yeah, you know, it was grateful, or excuse me, was was grateful to do the interview. It was very uh, thoughtful with his answers and things like that. Had a lot of great things to say about Penn State. He's going to be up here this this summer and check things out. Dematha usually makes that team that trip for team camp. Again, they're going to do that uh, this this summer, so he'll be at, on campus at least once great relationship with Jaywan Sider. great relationship with Tyler Bowen he's a kid there you know the, the crystal ball right now says Georgia and I could see that definitely you know gets his mom down there for a trip or something like that but Penn State's still in it with him he's he's just hasn't shown much he hasn't visited uh, many schools hasn't shown a ton of interest in in any one particular school but you know Georgia's uh, stable of backs and the way that they've been able to do things in the last couple of years has certainly appealed to him. But uh, great relationship with Penn State, going to be back up there soon. And his teammate Isaiah Zard uh, saw him and you know work out. We're going to talk with Don a little bit about him later. Uh, but still, like where Penn State stands with him. Of course, uh, the 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 list of schools that he's considering looks a little better than it did a couple of months ago. He says Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, Penn State. Going to be back on campus at Penn State next month as well, so you have to like where things uh, stand with him. It's going to depend on his official visits how hard these other teams press because you know he's kind of uh, he wants to play defensive end. He's probably more natural three four D end or he's a defensive tackle, which is where I think he would end up if he played at Penn State. But for now, he just wants to hear defensive end, so that's what what he's hearing from a lot of these schools. A third guy, I know you talked to him at the Under Armour camp, uh, Tyler last weekend, Keandre Lambert. Very impressed by this kid um, was was just welcome to the bandwagon the Lambert bandwagon yeah (laughs) well don't don't kept telling me I didn't like the kid and I'm like I've never said that I said you know Clemson may tap the brakes on taking him but there's there's a slight difference between Clemson maybe not taking a guy and in this cycle of all cycles yeah (laughs) in this cycle where Clemson's I think uh, landed what four straight five stars or something in their classes which is ridiculous. Um, but Lambert, he was, he was super impressive, uh, super competitive, got up, uh, ran his routes very smoothly, um, won most, if not all of them, had very few drops. So Lambert's a guy that really went stock up in my book, and I know Penn State's in with Fleming and Jaden Dotton and, and Lambert as well and some other guys out there, but this, they, they, would be, they would be well served to get him on campus soon. I think so too, and, and you know, speaking with him, a story
0: that was up on lines twenty four uh, seven from a couple of weeks ago when I saw him on campus. Now he, he certainly sounded like someone who had built a pretty good relationship with Jared Parker. I think I had alluded to this that that they're they're bond had extended beyond to to, to those time with the Duke blue devils and, and they were engaged there. And, and he said he felt like Parker got on him as soon as possible when he got the new job at Penn state and that meant a lot to him. So he feels like he's due for a visit. He hasn't been up there since uh, a junior day in, in midwinter and, uh, and he was at a game last year, but he, he says he needs to get back up soon. And uh, this is a process that sounds like we'll go into the season. I don't know if, if that changed, if you got a chance to talk with him. But when we spoke, um, you know, he said he, he was thinking October, midseason commitment. So that leaves some time for teams to make moves, get some official visits in line. Um, I think Penn State's right there, but I'm with you. It's, it's time to get him back
1: on campus. Yeah, you're going to want to see him at the whiteout. Uh, stock way up in my book. Um, we already had him as a fairly high four star, but you know I think he's he deserved that ranking. So uh, like where that like where that uh, is heading in that direction. Virginia Tech's in there, of course. Clemson, we already mentioned. North Carolina, I think Virginia as well. So um, an ACC battle for the most part. But Penn State's still in that, and they've got a good relationship with him. Positive vibes this weekend. Ola Fashanu, uh, Steve Wilfong put in his crystal ball for Penn State last week. Uh, don't know that I'm quite there yet, but it really wouldn't shock me. I mean, this is a kid that Penn State was in on very early. They've got a good relationship with him. Was on campus at the end of March, and right now we have this, you know, sort of it, it's sort of open, but at the same time we sort of see Penn State and Michigan, um, you know, leading the pack right there. So Ola Fashanu uh, earn, earn an invite to the opening finals. Um, and he's a good-looking prospect. We'll talk about him later. Penn State also had three offensive line commits on hand. R.J. Adams, Golden, Achumba, and Aaron Parks were all there working out. Uh, not much to take away from it. Uh, Achumba earned, earned the opening finals invite. Uh, Adams and Achumba were both in the final five. Both or All three had pretty good performances. Parks was interesting to me because he played left guard, center, and right guard, and I think he took two reps at right tackle. So he's trying to prove he can play all over the line. Penn State still has him as a tackle, but you know if you got swing versatility, you're you're very valuable in this stage. You see a guy like Josh Fryer out in Indiana that has you know that kind of versatility, and it's worked for him very well in the recruiting scene. RJ Adams just a very stout uh, he does not panic when when guys come in his face he's he's done some some really good things uh, in past sets he's he's got some work to do uh, you know in the speed of things but I think he's a center long term so we'll see uh, how that plays out in the net in the last couple of, or excuse me in the next couple of years but he did very well uh, probably most uh, impressed by golden um, he was uh, really really good I mean this is a guy that went from and I'm going to write this this week went from 370 pounds he's about 320-325 right now and he really really handles it well he's a big kid in every facet but he, he looks more like a 300 pounder than a 320 pounder if that makes sense um, but uh, really held his own, more than held his own, and, and excelled on Sunday. So I was happy to see him get out there, and he earned the opening finals invite as well as Curtis Jacobs, the linebacker who's the best linebacker there. Kid looks great. I uh, don't have to tell you guys that have been regular listeners that I'm a huge fan of this uh, this kid. He's a, he's a super looking prospect at linebacker. Yeah, and,
0: and Curtis Jacobs, the interest keeps coming. Texas A&M sends him an offer Wednesday morning. So kid that is definitely viewed as an elite linebacker in Penn State. Uh, got him on board fairly early in the process and um, you talk about those linemen I had a chance to before our conversation as you know get on the phone with Ronnie Torres who was the director of player personnel uh, at the opening he goes to every single one of these stops on the camp circuit he's part of the selection uh, group that decides who goes to the finals uh, in Texas uh, this summer and he mentioned you know aside from you know Golden getting that invite he said, "RJ Adams is going to be under the radar for consideration. Uh, Curtis Jacobs, same thing as well. When you see a guy get positional MVP, you know I think these Penn State commits have really shown up on the spring camp circuit. You're always you're always a little concerned sometimes when guys have, uh, you know, the, all the Power Five offers, especially if they're committed, that they're going to show up to a camp and they're going to put it in cruise control because they have just you know less to prove than some of the guys out there who just want an offer, any offer from any school. Um, but everyone I've seen out there and everything you've heard in terms of feedback." From from the opening personnel and at some other camps as well. You know, really impressive performances across the board. The offensive line, I think Golden Ochumba, the way Ronnie phrased it was that they may not have seen a better interior offensive line prospect this year. And they've seen a lot of offensive linemen who are going to play a lot of big-time big, big time games in college football. So I think Golden, you know, that tra- that that trajectory for him is going pointing skyward. You talked about the physical development. I know you and Brian will get into a lot of this more. But um, I can say it was a very detailed conversation with Ronnie. We went over every single one of those offensive linemen. We went over a bunch of the targets. fashanu was one of them. Koziah Izard. So, full conversation coming your way on uh, our second edition of this podcast later in the week. So, we've got you covered on, on the camp circuit. And this time of year, I think it, it's something that that is worth you know taking a longer look at because this is when you learn a lot about guys and how they've progressed and who they are mentally as well uh something that stood out about Keandre Lambert and 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 I don't know if you saw that too uh but some guys just go out there and there's a confidence level that you know will serve them well on a college campus especially when they get when, when they're freshmen and and some guys are a little more timid just love to see that and I think a lot of these guys have it Curtis Jacobs Golden Achumba
1: RJ Adams uh, they're not out there and just going through the motions and it's really funny to think because because a lot of people see these guys in shorts and T-shirt, and no, it's not you know it's not football, but at the same time, and it's a valuation data point that's valuable you know for us ranking them, but also the coaches. That if people want to say that coaches don't pay attention to this, they're they're flat out lying because you see the rush of offers that go out after these camps. They get testing numbers, they get data points that work with. Maybe if a guy's on the line, it you know puts them over the top, or maybe they, they go the other way. I think one thing that that people don't mention and I know you, you talked a lot with Ronnie is the competitiveness and, and that's one thing that guys want to see I think back to a couple of years ago Penn State's recruiting a couple of guys um, you know and, and then they recruit a bunch of guys for every position but a couple of receivers and one went to a camp and really didn't do anything didn't really step up and wasn't that you know could you could see he wasn't that guy Penn State sort of moved on, took someone else, and, and, and so far, if you look at where their college careers are, and I'm not going to mention any names here, but if you look at where their college careers are, one is, is doing fairly well, the other is not really doing anything yet.
0: So, yeah, but word gets, word gets around, if you're ducking out of, uh, ducking out of reps and, and you're a guy who's just comfortable to say, hey, go check out my 24-7 profile, I don't need to prove it to you right now in this
1: drill, word gets around about those guys. Oh yeah, and and it's funny because these camp videos that that people tweet out, these these you know coaches parse over them. It's really funny to think about. But uh, anyway, we're going to move on here. Um, we'll, we'll talk to Ronnie later this week, but we've got Brian Doan on the line from Twenty Four Seven Sports. Brian was down at the camp with uh, with me on Sunday. Had a lot of uh, a lot of good things to say about Penn State's targets and a lot of uh, good feedback from what we saw on Sunday. We go to the line for Twenty Four Seven Sports. National Recruiting Analyst Brian Doan. Doan is a regular guest on the podcast, and of course you can find him on Twitter, but mostly on our site at Lions247, as he's a frequent contributor. Doan, thanks for having us on. Have you come down from the Liverpool high yet from yesterday?
2: Oh, no chance of that. Now I know how you felt when QPR won in the 93rd minute on Sunday.
1: It's just the same. Anyway, on Sunday, you and I were both in the St. James in Springfield, Virginia, a phenomenal facility. Um, but uh, we, we saw the Nike opening regional camp. It was it was a good one, as usual, with that uh, in that region. And you know, some guys both stuck out to both of us. Anybody catch your eye uh, offhand?
2: Yeah, there were a bunch of them. I mean, I, I think you know, as you and I stood there, the, the two kids that really popped. Um, I mean, look, Bressy, you know that, right? Yeah. But the two kids that really popped were Keandre Lambert, the receiver out of Norfolk, who has Penn State uh, pretty high on his list. He, really good player just in terms of in and out of his breaks, ran really good routes, caught pretty much everything except the one ball that you, you know, myself and Steve also. Like, oh, that's his one drop. Um, you know, he, he did a really good job, and you're excited by him because of his feeling because he's got to hit the weight room. A little more, and once he gets bigger and stronger, he could just be unbelievable. And he's a great competitor. And then the other one that really popped out was Caleb Williams, the 2021 quarterback out of Gonzaga in DC, who you know again has been talking to Penn State a lot. Uh, Penn State likes him a lot, and he's a kid that really fits that what they want to do at Penn State well. And Fitz, I saw him in a championship game against DeMatha, and I know I told you right after that this kid's unbelievable. I think you and I agree that uh, he should be ranked pretty high. He is, and, and probably maybe, you know, maybe he'll go a little bit higher. But those are the two guys that popped, and especially Williams with his, his arm strength and just his poise and just with everything he does, he just seems comfortable and, and is a natural leader.
1: Well, he wasn't even trying. That's the thing we were talking about that when we were watching him. I mean, he's just flicking it out there, and it's going you know thirty five yards on a line. And then the guy coming coming up behind him would just put his entire body into it and try and get the ball down the field just as far, and it would go you know twice as high. Um, so Williams definitely impressive uh, to me. I know this. Uh, he's a guy that stepped up to you. Lambert's an interesting guy because as you mentioned, he's he's got a ways to fill out, but he's just so smooth. I mean, you, we were watching him go through drills and. You know, his, his feet, he's, he's got some Deshaun Hamilton to him that, you know, he can get in on out of breaks and really doesn't, doesn't impact him whatsoever. So Lambertson, another guy that stepped up. The offensive line group was a really good one, I thought. A couple of yeah. Penn State commits on that, uh, on that roster. Um, so, yeah, that was, a, that was a group that stood out to me.
2: Yeah, I think the offensive line, um, and there were some good players on the D-line too, But but on the offensive line, I looked at one of the young kids and then, you know, what happens he picks up Alabama, you know, earlier this week, but Tristan Lee out of Virginia, who Penn state is on uh, a 2021. He did well. And the thing that impresses me about Tristan, he moves his feet well, and he really, he he did a good job of sinking his hips and he's got to get stronger in the upper body. And and I think he's got to move a little bit better laterally, but I think that's more technique. I think he has the foot quickness and the foot speed to do that. And, And he's an impressive one and i know golden achumba you know winds up you know the penn state commit winds up getting his invitation to the opening i believe the finals and that's the second week in a row now i've seen a lot of these guys cuz under armour was the week before and he's a guy that when you watch him he he's not a guy that's going to jump out at you at first but as you watch rep after rep after rep, he competes hard, he's physical, he's got a good initial punch, and he plays with a low base. And And so I liked him. And then this is the second week in a row that not only did I see R.J. Adams, but R.J. Adams excelled. And I, I think he's a guard. He can probably play center. I've heard some rumblings that they will move him inside. That was a big thing. And talking to some of my um, Virginia guys on Sunday, was there was talk of moving him into center. And that's great because – that's position flexibility and versatility, so you can play him at all three spots. But I thought he was really good. Now, he'll reshape his body a little bit because he, he's put on about 80 pounds in the last year and a half, and, and most of it is good weight. I mean, the 80 pounds that I put on, not good weight. Um, so when you look at it from, from that standpoint, but long, you know, good arm length, good initial punch, moves well. Really competes hard, and I know there's no pads, but you can tell some toughness in this stuff when guys get attitude if if they feel like the D-line's cheap shot or something, and he plays with attitude and, and some physicalness in this stuff too
1: one of the mo- more interesting guys out there are very high on Penn State's board on the as an offensive tackle Olu Fashanu from Gonzaga um, got got his opening invite as well he's far from a finished product and I think you could see that on Saturday but this is a kid that moves very well he's got tremendous size and, and he's a guy that Penn State's really focused on you know as they have five commits on the offensive line already it's a guy that they've really focused on to, to add to that number
2: yeah and, and that's a good point and I look at him, like Penn State to me needs to add offensive tackles now in this class, and I think that's what you do with, you know, whether they take one or two more, whether it's Fashanu, Carmody, you know, even Anton Harrison, whoever. But with Fashanu, he did a really good job of, you know, he's got good length, he stayed back. I felt he was patient. He didn't he didn't dip his head and reach a lot. Now, you're 100% right, and he's got a ways to go as far as his development and just technique, and these things are not built for kids like that. Because all it is is speed off the edge, speed off the edge. And uh, that's not realistic a lot of times, um, especially early on in a kid's career. But people always wonder, why is a kid ranked in a certain spot? And we always tell them, don't look at what they are now. Look at what they are in three years. And with the right coaching, and, and he'll put in the work. He's a great kid. He's a very smart kid, which, you know, you know. A lot of the offensive linemen are just really intelligent kids. I just look at where he can be in three years when he gets stronger in the upper body, he understands how to be patient, sit back in his base, sink his hips a little bit um, and not be so quick to move on that, that when the defensive end tries to go outside with speed on him and just be patient and not be susceptible to him coming back inside. With him, it's, it's kind of like the model is there, but there's a lot of work to get
1: done. Steve Wiltfong put in his crystal ball for Fashanu last week for Penn State. I've compared him a little bit to Rasheed Walker. I think Rasheed was a little bit more advanced as a player. Do, do you see any comparisons with any guys like that?
2: Yeah, I think Rasheed Walker is a good one just because of the length and and the rawness. I mean, I, I thought you know now I, I I had a chance to see Fashanu play um, each of the last two years, and when you see him in the game action, he's much more consistent. He's a, he's a good run blocker. But and he plays much better competition than Rashid did. So from that standpoint, it's really good. I just look at it as um, I think Rashid was further along in terms of upper body strength, and Rashid was probably a little bit slimmer. And so it was quicker to be you know when he gets to Penn State to reshape his body a little bit. But you know, Sean is playing a lot better competition, but I, I do like that comparison from the standpoint of their length and their ability to move their feet.
1: Defensively, Isaiah Izzard has been a guy that's been on Penn State's board for a long time. You know, we see him moving down uh, eventually. Six three, two seventy one. Right now, he was playing defensive end. That's where he wants to play. and He's not not shy about saying that. But he's he seems to be a guy that you know, if you can project him three years from now, as you said, seems to be an inside guy with some pop as opposed to just being a, a big defensive end.
2: Yeah, and I think you know he's a kid that if he's going to be a DN, it's going to be in a three four. Um, which there's nothing wrong with that, but I I think he's a guy that can come inside and play three technique. He really, again, I saw him play twice last year, so I'm on the camp circuit last spring and he's really changed for me this year. He's more explosive. I, I told him, um, last weekend, I thought he was much leaner and he said, no, I'm pretty much the same on how I've been, but just looking at him, he does look leaner. Uh, he's got good length. I, I think he's a really good prospect to move inside and he was one of the guys I really wanted to see this spring just in how he moved and and the improvements he's made in his game and I know I told you after Under Armour that I thought he was a lot better than he was the previous season Um, I hope you saw that too but yeah I think you move him inside he can play three tech I don't think he's a I don't think he's a nose but you can do some different things with him you can in certain packages if you want to move him to the outside And have him play over the right tackle. I think you can you can do some things like that. But yeah, he. I mean, and there's a reason. You know, it's LSU, Alabama, Ohio State, Penn State. And I know people right now are going, well, which of those offers are committable and all that stuff. I don't really get involved in that. When I get involved, and I just wrote about him. um, What I get involved in is who's he talking to a lot, and those are the schools he's talking to a lot.
1: Staying at Matha, you provided, I think, the second of three Marshawn Lloyd updates, because when you get a chance to, <laughs> to get Marshawn Lloyd, you have to get him, because he's not a big recruiting fan, um, but he, he was phenomenal, again, on Sunday, just a, I mean, this is a kid that, that really has everything, all the, the boxes checked, wasn't as effective as a junior as we maybe thought he would be, but, you know, he's just oozing talent as a running back.
2: Yeah, and I saw him, again, twice last season, and... I saw him in a championship game against Gonzaga, and I don't. it, it didn't go the way he wanted to because they lost, but it also didn't go the way he wanted to because he put the ball on the ground a few times. And there were a few times where I was like, hmm. And then he'll make some runs that are just jaw-dropping, whether it's his change of direction, his speed through the hole, his ability to stop-start. Um, and then he's a big, physical kid. I and mean, You could throw him onto a college campus now, and physically he can handle the, the pounding of it. He's eventually going to play once he gets into college and does everything. He's eventually going to be close to 220 pounds. He runs really well. I think he ran a four, five, one. I talked to him about it. He goes, Yeah, they run well. Very disappointing. I'm like, You know, you ran a four, five, one, and you're 210 pounds, um, which tells you what he, you know, his standard of things. Um, but yeah, I, I, he moved well. He, I know Steve had some clips that he put out about, you know, just his change of direction and his elusiveness. And that's huge because I think he's a guy that can make make somebody miss at the second level and then just go. And, uh, you know, but he, when it comes to recruiting, I know everybody thinks Georgia or a lot of people think Georgia. And I understand why he glows about Georgia. But he also likes Penn State from the standpoint of Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders. And, and again, they're, they're going to be good at running back for a while with the guys they have in the program. But it is so he, – he hasn't done any of this stuff. He's in track season. He's not making a ton of visits. Like you said, he doesn't love the process. So to sit there and just say, well, he's going to Georgia, I, I'm not ready to make that leap yet.
1: I, I agree with you. I think there's a long way to go in that. And again, it, it for a kid like that that doesn't like the process. Sometimes that could end up working out, work, working itself out, because you know you never know who Georgia's going to target. Georgia's obviously, you know, recruiting at a very high level right now. I think Alabama's in the mix as well. They're recruiting at a very high level, so never know where that's going to go. Uh, a long way from now, 2021. A couple of wide receivers uh, stuck out to me, and I know we we talked about them a bunch. In uh, Jaleel Farouk and Caden Prey, they're both out of Maryland, both have Penn State offers, and, and both look pretty good.
2: Yeah, and I think one of the cool things for both of them are they're public school kids. And in this age where everybody wants to go you know, to private school, Catholic school, whatever, listen, it doesn't matter where you're playing. If you're good, you're good. And they, and people will find you. And so I'll start out with Prey because I saw him two weekends in a row. I thought he was good at the opening. I thought he was even better at Under Armour the weekend before. And he's long. I mean, he's 6'3", good length. He, he's thin, as you should be when you're a sophomore in high school. Um, he had good ball skills, strong hands. He loved to compete. You know, I kept watching him jump to the front of the line and He has not visited many places. I mean, for him, it's been Penn State and Maryland. Those are places he's been to for the most part. So that's good. Um, Penn State does a great job of getting in early. That's one thing with James Franklin. Since he's been at Penn State, everybody asks what the key to recruiting is. Penn State, traditionally under Franklin, has been in early on kids more than any other school with consistency. And then Jalil Farouk, who's at Y's High and Upper Marlboro, I had seen him a few times. I I saw him play. I saw him uh, last spring on the camp circuit. And then you watch him again, and and he just does a lot of things really well. He's smooth. He's strong. He has good size, good length. He could play safety or receiver. I like him more as a receiver right now. Uh, He has a good feeling about Penn State. He's connecting well. And, you know, I think Penn State fans are going to want to hear that when I talk to whether it's Keandre Lambert, whether it's Prazer, whether it's um, Jalil Farouk, they talk about the wide receiver coach and how much they like the wide receiver coach. And and it's not just you know Tyler Bowen who who recruits the area. It's not just you know the offensive coordinator. They're talking about the receivers coach, and that's something new. And I think that's something really important, um, especially for the twenty ones. They want to see how Penn State's receivers improve. With their productivity in the fall,
1: Penn State obviously missing out on Brian Bresty, um, and he's phenomenal. Uh, it was very good on Sunday. But where is Penn State at in the DMV right now? You had a chance to talk to some people over the weekend, and you were down there the last two weekends. Where does Penn State stand, and and, and why are they at that point right now?
2: Well, they two things. They they're they're in good standing with a lot of the kids and you see that when you keep reading these reports on, on kids visiting and where they stand and how they're in the final mix. And even with Bressy, I mean, look, if you're a Penn state backer, you, I mean, he's going to Clemson and you just look at what the last draft was with Clemson on a defensive line. So when you're a defensive line to go to Clemson, while it may hurt and sting, you should also understand it. So, where Penn state is, is they're getting in quick. They have great relationships. I mean, Tyler Bowen's just fantastic. Whether I'm talking to coaches, you know, head coaches, assistant coaches, prospects, they all talk about how much they like him and how they're able to uh, connect with him quickly. He's diligent in staying in contact with prospects and coaches. Um, He's able to get his kid to come up and visit campus. I mean, everybody talks about, well, James can close the deal, and, and, and that's true. But the role of the assistant is to get those kids in front of James Franklin, and he does a great job with that. And in the DMV, you know, it used to be eight, nine years ago when I heard kids from New Jersey, they got their Penn State off. It was like, well, that's the one I'm waiting for. I'm excited about it. That has kind of shifted south, and now it's kind of the DMV. There's a lot of that feeling in that area when Penn State offers that there's a big sigh of relief from the prospect saying, yeah, that's one that I can't wait to get back up and see campus.
1: You are on the boards at Lions 24-7 writing stories consistently for us, and we're appreciative of that. Um, what's going on? Anything else jumping out to you about Penn State right now?
2: Yeah, I think it's, you know, I want to see what happens with them on the defensive line with recruiting Um some good prospects out there. I want to see what happens, especially with defensive end. And, and I want to see, I mean, I think if, if folks want to take a look at, at some good um, recruiting battles, look at Dan Hayes out of Pittsburgh, the defensive lineman, and how Penn state um, will they stay with him and get involved with him even more and get him back to campus. They have offered, he, he likes Penn state a lot. And I want to see what happens with Michael Carmody, who, you know, it's a Virginia Tech, Penn State, Ohio State battle. And yes, I know everybody's going to sit there and go, well, I see we're going to put his crystal pick, crystal ball pick in for Ohio State. That is true, but these things can change also. And and so I really want to see what happens with him. I think those are two really good uh, recruiting battles to keep an eye on.
1: And Notre Dame just offered Carmody the other night, of course, his brother, a yeah. uh, basketball player for the Fighting Irish well, Don, I think that's probably about it. All we need from you, I'm sure we, we got to put you back to work because you got more stories to write and things like that. But of course, thanks as always for joining us, a, a incredibly valued member of the uh, of the site at Lions Twenty Four Seven. Brian, thanks for having or thanks for coming on.
2: Hey, yeah, man, appreciate it. Thank you.
1: That'll do it for us today on the Lions Twenty Four Seven podcast. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back with Ronnie Torres later this week from Student Sports running the Nike Camp, as we mentioned a few times, but. Thanks for joining us. Check us out. Rate us, review us on iTunes, and follow along for more episodes as we continue content season.